turn to the book of Acts with me. The book of Acts, chapter 17. We have wrapped up our Christmas mini-series looking at the theme of sheep and shepherds. And then next week, Lord willing, we're going to pick up again in 1 Samuel chapter 18, continuing our series through the life of David. But today we're going to look at Acts chapter 17. And we could think of this as a a New Year's Eve sermon uh, for us to think about what it looks like to be in Scripture, to develop patterns of Bible reading within the year 2024. And so as you turn to Acts chapter 17, I'll outline the the context where we are in the story. Uh, This is a book that was written by Luke, who is a physician, who is a companion of Paul. And it's the, the history of the early church, what Christ was doing in the church through the Holy Spirit, after he ascended into heaven, after his resurrection. And it's a beautiful, encouraging story for for the church. And in chapter 17, the Apostle Paul and his companion named Silas are on a missionary journey. And so first they arrive in the Greek city of Thessalonica. And and you'll see in verse 2 that they followed their ordinary pattern, that they would go to the synagogue to study Scripture with fellow Jews, and that they would try to persuade people from the Bible that Jesus was the long-prophesied Messiah of the Old Testament. And you'll see in verse 4 that some people in the Jewish synagogue believe that they put their trust in Jesus But then some oppose the teaching of Paul, that actually a a rabble got a a mob together, and then they essentially drove Paul and Silas out of town, that they couldn't stay in Thessalonica. Thankfully, a church was planted there. You could read the the book of Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament, so a church was formed. Uh, But there was a lot of opposition to the teaching of the Word in that city. So they traveled then to a nearby town called Berea. And it, you'll, you'll hear as I read our text today, starting in verse 10, that it, it says that the people in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And the word noble is actually similar to how we would use the word gentleman, where the word used to refer to class and status. And, you know, back in the old days in English, you could be a gentleman without being a kind person, because it was just referring to your social standing. But now if you say someone's a gentleman, you're speaking to their character. And that's how it's being used here, that they were more noble, that they received the the teaching of the apostles with openness as they searched the scriptures. And so again, this is Acts chapter 7, 17, and I'll begin reading in verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things 
were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word that is the light to our path, the lamp to our feet. We pray for the guidance of your spirit to understand today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So imagine that you meet somebody and you're a football fan and they claim to be a football fan. They say, I love football. And you say, oh, wow, what did you think of the game last night? And they say, oh, I didn't watch it. You say, oh, well, what about the game earlier last week? And they, oh, I didn't watch that one either. And you come to find out that they, they watch the Super Bowl every year, but that otherwise they don't really follow football. But they say, oh, I'm a huge football fan. I love football. That you would be confused. Or imagine that you, you meet somebody who says, I, I love Jane Austen. You say, oh, I love Jane Austen too. What's your favorite Jane Austen book? And, you, and they say, well, I've never really read Jane Austen. I've read parts of Jane Austen. You say, well, have you seen the movie? And you say, well, I, I've seen parts of Pride and Prejudice on YouTube, but I've never watched the whole movie, but I love it. It's my favorite book. And you would say, well, wait a second, how could you claim this if you've never actually read the book? And according to one website that I looked at online, less than 30% of Christians will read through the entire Bible within their life. Over 82% of Christians only read their Bibles on Sundays while in church. And I didn't independently verify those statistics, but I think that there's, there's truth in it. That have you read the Bible from cover to cover? How often do you read the Scripture? Is it a regular part of your life and routine? And so the question that we want to explore today is this. How should we approach Bible reading in 2024? And we'll glean wisdom from the Bereans here in our text. And so first, we should receive the word with all eagerness in 2024. That we should receive the word with all eagerness. Look again at, at verse 11 in your Bible. It says that those within the synagogue and Berea were more noble than the, those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all eagerness. And the Greek word that is translated eagerness here in this text means exceptional interest in being of service. That it could be translated willingness, readiness, goodwill. And I like the old King James translation. It says, all readiness of mind. All readiness of mind. And the image that kept coming into my head with all readiness of mind is a college classroom. And for those of you who had the privilege of going to college, you'll remember that there were people 
who would sit in the front of the class and with, with notebooks open. Of course, this is true for high school too. So whether you went to college or not, I'm sure you've had this experience. They're the people in the front of the class with all readiness of mind taking notes. And then there are the people in the back, sitting in the very back row of the class you know, on, on Facebook um, who are talking to their friends, they're texting, they're not paying attention. I actually spoke to Mark about this over the week, and he's a, a professor, and I said, is this true? And he said that he occasionally will go into the back of the classroom to lecture just to kind of shake things up. Um, and, and even I remember my mother, when I went to college, said, you need to always sit in the, the front of the class because you'll do better on your classes if you're in the front and that's something that is, that is proven. It's, it's, it's not just how mu- even how much you, you study or how smart you are, but there is a benefit from coming in with all readiness of mind, ready to learn and to benefit. And that's the kind of posture that we see here among the Bereans, that they came in all readiness of mind, that they were sitting in the front of the class, ready to study and to receive the Word of God. And that should be our posture as well. And you say, well, why? Why approach the Bible with all readiness of mind? And if you were to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about the Word of God. He's, he's speaking to Timothy, this, this young pastor, in 2 Timothy 3.15, and he says that he, how from a childhood, you, Timothy, have been acquainted with the sacred writings, talking about the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So that's a great reason to approach the Scriptures with all eagerness of mind because the Scriptures can make us wise onto salvation. But then he continues and he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching. And that's another reason to approach the Bible with all eagerness of mind because it's God-breathed. It's from God. It's His Word. Then he continues and says that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. That we should approach the the study of Scripture with all readiness of mind because it's profitable. It will equip us for every good work of the Christian life. Now, some of you this morning may say, I don't feel particularly eager to read the Bible. I've tried to read the Bible before. It's hard to understand. I don't enjoy reading. I'm not someone who reads an ordinary life. And so how do I cultivate this eagerness to be in God's Word? And with everything in life, the the first step is prayer. That if you sense in your heart that you're not eager to, for the Word of God, that if you're sitting at the back of the spiritual class on Facebook, instead of coming with all readiness of mind, just start with prayer. Admit to God where you are 
confess that, that you don't feel eager and, and pray that he would work that sense of eagerness in your heart. But then also, we can think about sitting in the front of the class. And I, I'm not saying that everybody has to sit in the front of the, of the worship service, that uh, Presbyterians love to sit in the back for sure, and that's, that's okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about our, our spiritual posture as we approach Scripture. What are the, the seemingly ordinary behaviors that actually help cultivate this all-readiness of mind to pursue God's Word. And so we said first that we should receive the Word with all eagerness in 2024. But then second, we should examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. That we should examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Look again in your, in your Bible at verse 11 as you turn back to Acts 17. Acts 17, 11, it says that they receive the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so you can see their, their purpose in searching the scriptures daily, that they were trying to test the, the teaching that they were receiving from the apostles. Does the teaching of the apostles actually line up to what we're seeing in the, the pages of scripture? And then you can also see the, the frequency. It says that they were examining the scriptures daily. And there's, there's so much application there. I mean, you see that they were ordinary people, that it wasn't just for a scholarly class that could study the Bible, that, that, they, and that, that they were doing it daily. And we don't know exactly what that would look like. Remember, this was a time when all books were handwritten, and so books were very expensive. It's, it's not that Everyone in the Berean church had a, a personal Bible that they could hold in their hand. Though the wealthy could have translations of the, the Greek Old Testament called the, the Septuagint. Uh, but then also we know that there were daily scripture readings within the synagogue. And so as part of your morning routine before going to work, you would go to the synagogue. You would hear systematic readings that would take you through the Old Testament. And so they were faithfully attending these daily readings of the Bible, examining them to see if these things were so. And there is incredible power in a daily habit. That you can get, if you can manage to do something daily, you can get a lot done in a little bit of time. And this can be for, for better or for worse at times. Uh, for example, the average person spends two hours and 24 minutes on social media every day. I mean, if you have an, an iPhone, after worship, you could check your screen time and see how much time you spend on your phone. It tells you how many times you pick up your phone and look at it. Uh, but I 
did the, the math on this, that, that if that's true, that it's two hours and 24 minutes, which sounds about right, that that's 876 hours of social media use per year, and that's 36.5 days of straight scrolling on social media within a given year. Again, there's, there's power for maybe wrong in daily habit, but also for good. But you think about what is it that you do on a daily pattern within your life? Well, you probably eat food daily. You drink water. You brush your teeth, hopefully. Uh, you, you sleep. You look at your phone. What are other patterns that, that you have as a daily habit within your life? Remember that Jesus says in Matthew 4.4 4, that Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so it's saying that, yes, we need bread. We need the habit of regular eating to have physical strength and health and nutrients. And that we need the habit of of daily scripture intake to be spiritually healthy, to be spiritually nourished, to, to grow strong in our walk with the Lord. So then you ask the question, how can you cultivate this habit in 2024? And I'll offer two suggestions. And the the first suggestion to, to cultivate this pattern like the Bereans is to consider reading through the Bible in a year. You say, well, why read the Bible all the way through within a one-year period? Well, one reason is exactly what we were saying, that the, the entire Bible is breathed out by God. And if you say, I love God, I love his word, well, have you actually read all of his words that he has given us? And yes, the, the Bible is a long book, but if you consider that this is God's word, it's God speaking to us, that it's relatively short. You're not having to read the Encyclopedia Britannica in a year, that it's a, it's a manageable book to read through within a year. But also, it's a way of guarding our hearts against false teaching. Because when you study cults and groups that, that teach false doctrine, quite often when you go to their Bible studies, they'll take you from one passage to another passage to another passage, and paint a a picture of doctrine that is actually not true to the full teaching of Scripture. And the people will say, well, that sounds biblical to me. I guess that's true. But when you're yourself regularly going through the, the sum of biblical teaching, it gives you the opportunity to test to see if these things are so. To to say, is the, the teaching that I'm hearing every week from Will in the pulpit at Hope, true to not just a verse in the Bible, but true to the, to the whole teaching of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And so it helps us test to see false teaching. But then also, invariably, if you've ever tried to follow a Bible reading plan, that you will miss days. And so if you intend to read through the Bible within a year— and if you intend to do that every year, then within maybe three years, 
functionally, you've actually read the whole Bible, just because that's how patterns work. But if you think about it, that if you try to make that a regular pattern, you'll have read a lot more of the Bible than you would have read otherwise. And so you might say, well, what does this look like for, for you? What does that look like for, for me? So one way for this broad reading through Scripture is in family worship, that as a family we try to, to gather. It's usually probably four or five days a week that we actually manage to make it happen. Um, but we try to, to gather after dinner. We go through a catechism question. We read a chapter from the Bible or less. And then we pray and sing together. And so we're, the desire would be that over three or four years that we could read through the entire Bible as a family. And so before our children leave home, that they could have heard the entire Bible read several times. And that's good for me as well. But then also just this, this pattern of reading through the Bible every year that, that I've attempted to read through the Bible every year since I was 16. And again, I, I've switched up Bible plans in the middle of the year. I've dropped off. I'm, I'm not claiming that, that I've perfectly done it. But yet over 20 years, I'm, I'm so thankful for the way that God has been able to, to speak through his, his word. And so there's, it's not a legalistic rule. You must read every word of Scripture within a year. But I think it's, it's a wonderful pattern for, for Christians to cultivate. And so you say, well, what are resources to do it? And, and this is a little different. I have show and tell up, up front. But um, this is in the little brochure holder on the welcome table. It's a one-year Bible reading plan. And I've tried many Bible reading plans and. This is generally the one I come back to. Uh, it was formed by a pastor in Scotland in the 19th century. And it has four readings every year. Or sorry, every year. Uh, you're like, I'll take that Bible reading plan. Uh, it has yeah, four, four readings every day. And if you were to follow, do all four, you would read through the New Testament twice, the Psalms twice, and then the Old Testament once, the rest of the Old Testament but if you take two of the readings and you do it over two years, you would read through the entire New Testament within a year, the book of Psalms within a year, and then the rest of the Old Testament within two years. And so it's a little bit more manageable. And so that, that's a, a, a wonderful resource. There's also a, a, a podcast put out by uh, the ESV Crossway that gives you these readings that you can listen to on your device every day, just downloading, which is very helpful. Another great, great resource to think about is, we have this on the welcome table, is Table Talk. Um, this is a devotional put out by Ligonier Ministry. Uh, this is what I use for my Bible reading throughout college. And it has a, a read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year plan, as well as a daily devotional, uh, which could be very helpful. Or if you're a new believer, if you say, I'm pretty new to Christianity, uh, my recommendation would be to just start with the New Testament. If, if it's your very, very first time, just go a chapter a day reading through the New Testament. And then once you get through the New Testament, go back and take a Bible reading plan like this and try to read through the, the whole Bible as a, as a place to start. And there are countless, just Google Bible reading plans um, there, there are, are more than you can count, and it's just a matter of finding what works for you, whether it's 
over a number of years or whether it's in a year. There's no absolute rule. But it's this pattern of being in the Scriptures daily to see if these things are so. And if you were to venture onto that path, here are a few practical suggestions to consider. One is to, to get a study Bible. Uh, there are great study Bibles like the, the ESV study Bible, uh, which can help you not get bogged down. There are, there's a lot that's hard to understand within Scripture. Uh, even Peter says in 2 Peter 3 that parts of Paul are hard to understand. The Bible itself acknowledges within itself that there are parts that can be hard to understand. A study Bible can help. Another suggestion is don't be discouraged if you don't understand everything, because you won't understand everything. I've been to seminary. I don't always understand everything, but the, the Scripture and in, in the clear message of salvation is, is shining forth that you, you the, the learned, the unlearned, those with high education, those without a lot of formal education can all glean great benefit from searching God's Word. And even if, worst-case scenario, you, your reading comprehension is not very good and you get 5% out of your reading every day, that's 5% more of God's Word that you're taking for spiritual strength than you would have had otherwise. And so that's a great benefit. And then another suggestion, though, is, is just not to get discouraged if you get behind. I think that if, if you didn't eat for two days— you're not going to eat three times as much when you try to start eating again. And, and that's quite often that's what people do with Bible reading plans where they don't feed on God's Word for a week and then they try to stuff in seven days' worth of reading. Um, that in general, I say just pick up where you left off and then try to think of this as a long-term pattern over the next 20 years of God shaping you through His Word, but to continue moving forward. And so that's then this, the, the first pattern of thinking about Bible reading, of considering reading through the Bible every year. But then another important way of taking Scripture in is focused study. Not just the broad reading that you would have in a Bible reading plan, but really diving deeply into one passage of Scripture. And that can be so useful because... As we said, the Bible is a book that was written over thousands of years by many, many human authors. It was written in three ancient dead languages. And so even though we can understand the main message, that there's so much benefit that we can have of diving into a particular passage and studying it and trying to see its application for our life. And so for, for me... I get that just by sermon preparation, that as a pastor, I have the, the profound benefit of being able to spend 8 to 15 hours every week studying God's Word to be able to apply it to myself and then apply it to you all as well. And so that's, that's a benefit, a, a, a job perk of being a pastor. But I think for everyone, this not just reading through broad sections, but diving into Scripture is so helpful. And, and so we're, we're going to try something with Hope Church going into to January, and it'll be a, a trial run. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it, how it goes. Um, but starting in January, we're going to um, start 
in your, your bulletin that you have um, at the end, putting Bible study questions for the passage that's coming up the next week. Because um, we, we preach through b- books of the Bible generally, section by section. And, and so you'll, you'll hear the sermon here, and then if you take your bulletin with you that you can, on your own time during the week, read that passage. There'll be spots where you can write answers, think about it. Uh, when our connect groups get rolling in uh, March, that we hope to then have that, that be the discussion for the connect groups. So you can, you can read the passage, work through the questions, go discuss it with other Christians at connect group. And then when you come to worship and you, you sit under the preaching of the word, that, that Lord willing, it's that, that all readiness of mind that you're ready to, to test to see if these things are, are so. And then my suggestion is that if, if you're at the, the place where you're, you're, you're not sure about what patterns of Bible study that you're able to do, that's a great place to start because you ha- there's the benefit of both your own private reading and searching of Scripture but combined with teaching through the Scripture to help fill in gaps and blind spots. Um, and, and I think that there can be incredible benefits. So I will commend that to you as you enter into the new year. But no matter what you do for Bible reading, that if you embark on the, the path of careful Bible reading, Bible reading in 2024, that you should be careful uh, because it's powerful and that it may actually do something to you. Uh, because that's exactly what we see in our text. Look again in your Bible at chapter 17 of Acts and verse 12. It says that many of them, those in Berea, many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And so you can see that they were studying the Bible as, as non-believers. They were searching the Scripture. And it says that they, they studied the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And then it says, therefore, many believed. That it, it says in Scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That, that we are born again by the, the living and active word of God. And I've seen this over and over again when I hear people's stories of how they came to faith. For example, I have a a friend who um, I went to seminary with who's a pastor at a church in Northern Ireland. And when he was a young man, he was not a Christian. And he was interested in a girl who was a Christian. He asked her if she would go out with him. And and she said, no, I I won't date somebody who's not a Christian because the Bible says you shouldn't be unequally yoked. And he got really mad about it, and, and so he thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prove Christianity wrong and show her how absurd Christianity is, which is probably not a good dating um, um, idea anyway. But, but so he started just at Genesis, and then within, I think he said, two weeks, he read the Bible from cover to cover. He spent almost all day reading the Bible, and then at the end of it, he came to faith. He ended up marrying somebody else, not her, um, but... But yet God used that reading of Scripture. Or I, I know someone else who was a professor at a university in China, and then he started reading through the Bible because he wanted to learn more about Western civilization and Western culture, and he came to faith by reading Scripture. 
And, and I could keep going with specific people who I have met who came to faith because of careful reading of Scripture from cover to cover, that, that God may work in you. And whether you're not a believer, or if you're a believer, it could be the, the beginning of, of spiritual growth, to grow in your faith, to mature, to, to grow deeper in the things of God. But then as we wrap up today, I want to leave you with a warning. And the warning is that Bible reading alone cannot save you. That in one sense, we could say Bible reading does save you. It says that they, they read God's Word, and therefore many believed. But it was, it was attending to the Word with, with humility and, and faith. But you can think of the Pharisees who opposed Jesus in his ministry— they were people who, who read the Bible a lot. They were, they, I'm sure their Bible reading plan sheets were, were filled out perfectly, that they, they didn't miss a day. That you could read through the Bible in 2024 without missing a day, and then at the end of it be self-righteous, out of relationship with God, on the way to hell and judgment being separated from God forever. That it won't save you in and of itself. So you say, well, then how then are you saved? That we're saved by the grace of God that we read about in the pages of the Bible. That we are saved by faith alone, the faith that is proclaimed in the pages of the Bible, and that is worked by the Spirit through the Word. That we are saved by the Christ that we meet in the pages of the Bible, but that it is that Christ who died on the cross for our sins, who purchased a place for us with Him in heaven, that it is, it is through Christ. And that's why the, the best place to start in reading the Bible is what St. Augustine called faith-seeking understanding. That, that we, we start from this desire, this, this faith in Jesus, but then saying, I want to know you more. I want to grow in my knowledge of the Savior who, who died and bled for me this coming year. And it's ultimately that Savior that, that we see here symbolized and sealed for us in this meal. That God, in His wisdom and His mercy, gave us the Bible and the preaching of the Word that we have and worship every Lord's Day. And then He also gave us the, the celebration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That this is another mercy of God to our lives. That as we encounter Christ in His Word, that then we see Him in, in pictorial form, this, this picture of Jesus' work, his, his body that was broken for us, his, his blood that was, that was shed. And so we attend to the reading of the Word, but then we respond to that in faith, taking this meal together as believers to, to grow deeper in our love and, and commitment to our Savior because of what He has done for us. 
Now, if you're here and, and you're still on the fence about Jesus, I would encourage you to pick up one of the Bible reading plans or to read through the New Testament or to join us for our Hope Explored course that we're starting in February. But we'd encourage you not to take this, which would be hypocrisy and outward religion, which never did any good for anybody apart from repentance and faith in Christ. And so we, we don't want to be practitioners of empty, external, formal religion, uh, but a, of true heart commitment to Jesus. And so, again, if, you're, if you haven't trusted in Christ, we encourage you to wait. But if you have put your trust in Jesus, if, if you're looking to him and his righteousness, not your own, for salvation, that we encourage you to come. You don't have to be a member of Hope Church or Presbyterian Church. Uh, but to be one that is trusting in Christ, has made that public by being part of a church that proclaims the gospel, not bound by the action of another church from, from taking this, uh, but ultimately coming as one that can profess the faith that we hold. So I'd invite you to grab your bulletin, and we will read our profession of faith together. So this is on page 9 in your bulletin. And we'll, we'll profess our faith with the words of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and our faith is in vain. But if Christ has been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, O death, victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Pour it out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So come forward whenever you're ready. Um, no particular order. You can come down the, the center aisle here. Um, Ernie will come around. If, if mobility is an issue, raise your hand and he can bring that, this to you. If gluten-free is something you need, it's here. You can take one of the cups as you come through the line. And then for, for the rest, you, I'll break off a piece of bread and give it to you. You can take the cup, return to your chair, and then we'll take it together at the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is 
light when we are in darkness. And Lord, as we enter this new year, that we want to be people of the book, that we, we want to be people who not only profess our love for your word with our lips, but that we would demonstrate it in our actions and the daily habits of our life, that, that we would truly believe that feeding on your word is something more precious than food or water itself, that, that you have the words of eternal life, that you are the, the fountain where we can come and drink daily to be satisfied. And so, Father, I pray that as we are challenged to figure out the, the pattern of both broad reading and focused study this new year, that, that you will help us know what, what works in our lives and our, our schedules and our, our, the season of life, but that we can experience your grace at work through your word, that this could be a year for us to, to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity through the living and abiding word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Christ's body for you. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of sins. So now please stand with me if you're able. We'll turn to our final song, The Power of the Cross. <laughs> 